How often do we try and keep faith, try and pretend all is well between us and God when in fact it isn't. And so today I want to assure you that the God we serve is not plastic and neither should our relationship with him be. So thank you so much for joining us today. For those who don't know me, my name is Luzon. I'm one of the associate pastors at New Life Church. I normally run around behind the scenes, but it is my great privilege and honor to share today's word with you as we are nearing the end of our closest series. I couldn't believe when Nikki said we're in week 10 already in our series called Closer. And through the course of the series, we have identified some core ingredients needed to grow close in our relationship with God. We have learned that there needs to be a hunger, a passion for God and His presence, that this should be a need we have within our spirits. We also spoke about friendship with God and what that means. We had a look at the importance of acknowledging and removing any idols we might have in our life. We spoke about what does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth. And last week, Ryan shared about the important ingredient called humility and the role that plays in our relationship with him. And so today on our second last week of our closer series, we are going to talk about the binding element for these ingredients, the secret, if you will, that's required to put all these practices into play. And the secret really shouldn't be a secret, but it has become a secret, unfortunately. And without this element, there is no relationship with God. There is no humility. There is no friendship with God. There is no heart of worship. In fact, not only that, but this element that I want to talk about today is the secret to unlocking God's power and presence here on earth. You see, if you take this thing away, all we really have is a plastic, fake, pretend relationship with God. And so if you perhaps resonated with the video we just watched, if you were to be honest with yourself, you... You do feel like God is far away. You feel a disconnect between you and God, if you were to be completely honest. Your relationship with God might be going through a season of drought right now. Well, I want to tell you if that's you or if you've ever experienced that, it's time for you to be let in on the secret. The secret to a close, powerful, tangible relationship with God. It's impossible to have it without the secret. So are you ready to hear the secret? Yes. Well, the secret is faith. It is faith. Can you say faith? faith. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know. You might be thinking, whoop de do faith. Come on. Come on, Luzon. You can do better than that. We've heard about faith a million times. But therein lies our problem. We have heard and used the word faith so many times that it has lost its true meaning. And it has become a secret within our relationship with God that has been hiding in plain sight. We have heard and used the word faith out of context so many times that we have become desensitized to the power that lies within the word faith. 
when we hear about, when we hear faith, when we hear the word faith, we, we often associate it with hoping for the best, crossing my fingers, seeing the glasses half full, wishful thinking. But that can't be further from the true meaning of biblical faith. You know, when we look at our Bible heroes, those who, who had an intimate relationship with God, those who, who God used powerfully, I'm talking about Abraham, Moses, Noah, Elijah, the list goes on and on. What did they all have? They had faith. They were in on the secrets. But that, back then, it was, it was no secret at all. Faith was the essence of their relationship with God. It wasn't wishful thinking for them. It was the assurance, the knowing that God is who he says he is and God will do what he said he will do. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I wish, oh man, how I wish I could have the kind of relationship with God that Abraham had or, or Moses had, what I would give. Where instead, I should rather be striving to have the kind of faith that Abraham or Moses had. You see, God is still seeking people that have faith. Not wishful thinking kind of faith. God is looking for the real stuff. Because God still wants to work in and through the lives of those who have faith. God responds to faith. That's the secret. God responds to our faith. God wants you to trust him with the impossible because he is the God of the impossible. But not many of us still truly believe that God means what he says and says what he means. And you know, perhaps one of the reasons we struggle to trust, we struggle to have faith in God is because we tend to have a trust issue in general. Can we be honest real quick? No judgment at all, I promise. But raise your hand if you can admit that you might have some trust issues. Hey, I'm the first one to raise my hand. It's hard to trust. Who has been laid down by someone before? Someone betrayed you. You have been on the receiving end of a broken promise. We all have. And when you go through that disappointment again and again and again, it can be hard to trust. It can be hard to have faith in people. We often live by the motto that says, you know what? I'll believe it when I see it. Hey, have you said that before? No, I have. But that is not how faith in God works. You see, because faith is actually defined in Hebrews 11 verse 1, and it says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. When it comes to faith in God, we can't believe it when we see it. We've got to believe it before we see it. That is faith. But I get it because most of us have trust issues. It can be hard to trust and that can include trusting God. But here's the difference and the people who are in on the secret knows this. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. When God makes a promise, he backs it up by the honor of his own name. He swears by himself because there's no one higher. 
And so when we lack faith in God, when we struggle to trust God, what we are actually doing, and this might be hard to hear, but we are actually insulting the integrity of God. Because we don't really believe that God means what he says and says what he means. Do you want a close relationship with God? As we're in the second last week of our closest series, I guess it's time to ask that. Do you really want a closer relationship with God? Because now there's no more excuses. You're in on the secret. It's going to take faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 we read, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Faith is the essence of our relationship with God. And without faith, our verse says that it is impossible to please God. Let that just sink in for a moment. You might have love and worship and obedience and humility and, 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 but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is a big deal when it comes to our relationship with God and faith is a big deal when it comes to our experience of God. Because isn't it obvious? If we don't expect much from God, we're probably not going to experience much of God. Are you hearing me today? If you don't expect much from God, you're probably not going to experience much of God. God cares. He is deeply interested in the state of our faith and therefore so should we. You know, in the book of Matthew alone, just in the book of Matthew, you can see so many examples of how Jesus got disappointed, even frustrated due to the lack of faith around him. Let's read a couple of those examples. When Jesus taught about money and possessions in Matthew 6 verse 30, Jesus said, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? I believe that's often God's words to us when we freak out and stress about finances and budgets and, and, and. It's like, why? Why are you worried? Of course, I will care for you. Again, in Matthew 8, verse 25 to 26, the the disciples and Jesus were on a boat. There was a huge storm and the disciples went and woke Jesus saying, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith. Why are you afraid? Maybe you are currently finding yourself in a storm and you see no way out. Well, God wants you to have faith in him and not the storm. You know, when Peter fell through the waves, when he stepped out of the boat, we read in Matthew 14, verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Perhaps you have been called to step out into the unknown. Well, have faith. You know, on another occasion, actually, after the bread and fish miracle, the disciples were grumbling because they didn't have bread and they were hungry. <laughs> And you can actually hear the disappointment of Jesus. In Matthew 16, verse 8, he says, You have so little faith. <clears throat> Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Can you hear the disappointment of Jesus? 
However, in Matthew 17, verse 17 to 18, I don't know, I'm picking up a little bit more than just disappointment. The disciples were unable to cast a demon out of an epileptic boy. And this is what Jesus said to his own disciples, okay? He said, how unbelieving and wrong you people are. How long must I stay with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Can you hear it? And Jesus gave a command to the demon. It went out of the boy. And at that moment, the boy was completely healed. And afterwards, the disciples went to Jesus in Matthew chapter 20 and asked, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus simply answered, because you don't have enough faith. It is only by and through faith that we can access God's presence and power here on earth. It takes faith. Therefore, our faith cannot be neglected. It is too important. And so instead of pretending, playing pretend that all is well between us and God, we need to realize the moment we sense a disconnect between us and God that ultimately it boils down to a faith issue. It is time for the church to stop pretending and have an honest look at our faith. I mean, what is one of the biggest reasons people don't want to come to church? They don't want anything to do with Christians, Christianity, or Jesus. It's because we as believers, we have gotten a bad reputation about being fake. Let's be honest. We come to church with our church face on. Go past the halls and, good morning, my sister. Good morning, my brother. How are you today? And you're like, oh, you know what? I am blessed and highly favored. That's what I am. <laughs> right? And we raise our hands and we sing praises to God and we get in our car and we go on about our week and our actions, our words and our relationships reflect something completely different. We have gotten a bad reputation, and people notice this, guys. People notice this. It's time, now more than ever, for the church to stop pretending and have an honest look at the state of our faith. It is like we, we're able to be vulnerable when we struggle in friendships. We can confide in each other when we struggle in our marriages. But for some reason, when we, when we struggle in our relationship with God, we keep that to ourselves. We don't talk about that, right? We keep that hidden. But our faith will never get fixed if we pretend every day. We, we won't be able to pretend our, our doubts away. And we all go through seasons of doubts. We all go through seasons where we feel like God might be far away, that there's a disconnect. But instead of allowing the enemy to condemn us about it, because I think that's why we don't talk about it. Instead of the enemy allowing us to feel shame about it, it's up to us to run back the moment we sense our faith might be failing. If you have experienced doubts in your relationship with God, guess what? You're not the first one and you won't be the last. Doubt dates back all the way to Genesis chapter 3 when Satan tempted Eve in the garden by depositing a seed of doubt into her mind. 
We all know how the story goes. Jesus was very clear. God was very clear about the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and what happens if you disobey and eat the fruit. But Satan came and he tempted Eve by having her doubt and say, did God, did God really say you can't eat of that fruit? And when Eve actually confirmed, this is what God said, and this is the consequences of disobedience, the devil doubled down with denial, which is a stronger form of doubt. And he said, surely, surely you will not die. Doubt is also a word we should take more seriously, by the way. Because doubt is a tool of the enemy to get us to lose confidence in the word of God. The devil didn't shove the fruit down Adam and Eve's mouths. He simply planted a seed of doubt. That's all. And we all know how the story goes. We all know through that act of disobedience that was birthed through a seed of doubt, how that impacted Adam and Eve's relationship and intimacy with God. If you are struggling with doubt, I have good news. There's a remedy for it, and it's called faith. And here is how we get faith. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ. God gave us the Bible as the testimony of who He is, of who His Son is, of what He has done and what He is still going to do. And therefore, we have to spend time in God's Word. It is essential. Because it is when I get to know and understand what God has done in the past, what he is promising for my present and what I can look forward to in the future, then only can I truly live out, act out a life of faith and not doubt. Don't pretend your doubt away, bring it to God. If you feel yourself slipping in your faith, did you know that you can go to God and ask him to increase your faith? Did you know that? And how do we know it? We know it by spending time in God's word because we see in Luke 17 verse 5, the disciples asking Jesus to increase their faith. And then another beautiful example in the New Testament during the Last Supper, Jesus spoke to Simon Peter and he told him about the fact that Peter will deny him three times. You guys know that? And these are the beautiful words of Jesus found in Luke 22, verse 31 to 32. And Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Now, there's two things I want to highlight from this incredible verse. Number one, when we feel like our faith is failing, in order to return to Jesus, we need to repent. We actually need to repent of our faith that might be failing. And when we return to Jesus and our faith is restored, our faith is full, it is up to us to strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ. Strengthen one another's faith. 
Maybe you know of someone in your life, I'm pretty sure you do, in your work environment, friendship group, family, whose faith is shaky and faltering, and they're on the brink of just turning their back completely on God. It is up to you to strengthen their faith. And one of the best ways to do that is to share with them what God means to you, what He has done in and through your lives. Our testimonies are powerful. Don't keep them a secret. Declare what God has done in your life. Shout it out because that is how we strengthen one another's faith. And another thing I want to highlight is Jesus could have prayed for anything for Peter, but he prayed that his faith will not fail. Because it's when our faith fails that our worship fails that our friendship with God fails, that our obedience with Him fails, that our humility fails. It all comes tumbling down. And the devil knows this. That is why he attacks your faith. That is why he plots against your faith. The quality of our faith is directly proportional to the quality of our relationship with God. You can't have a good, close, real, powerful relationship with God without faith. You know, about two weeks ago, actually during a Sunday experience, these words came to mind. And as I did, I quickly typed it into my phone before I lost it. And the words are this, people have lost faith in God because people have lost sight of God. People have lost faith in God because people have lost sight of God. And what I mean by this is we have lost sight of who God really is, of what he is capable of, of what he can do. We have restricted and reduced God to our human understanding. We have placed mortal limits onto an immortal God. And we don't really believe that God is capable of the impossible. We don't pray dangerous prayers anymore. We don't trust God for a miracle without having a plan B in our back pockets. And a root cause for this is our lack of knowledge of who God is. Therefore, we need to, we have to spend time in God's word because how else would you be able to have faith in someone, trust in someone you know nothing about? You have to spend time in God's word. And it's when we don't really know God or or trust God or have faith in God that we end up trusting, believing, having faith in someone or something else. And so in order to fix our faith, we need to have an honest look at our lives and see, what do I really, like really place my faith in? Some of us might have faith in our ability to create wealth. Some of us might have faith in our money. Some of us might have faith in our skills and talents, our ability to get things done. Some of us might place our faith in a person, our spouse, he or she is our savior, our parents or our health. But what we are ending up doing is we are ending up having faith in the gifts and not the giver. James 1 verse 6 to 8 says, But when you ask God, be sure that your faith is in Him alone. Do not waver. Can you say, do not waver? waver. 
For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Listen to this. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Ouch. Look at your neighbor and say, ouch. Ouch. (laughs) Faith in God is an all or nothing type of deal. 100% all in. No backup plan. No divided loyalties. No lukewarmness. I don't even know if that's a word. 100% all in type of faith. So are there areas in your life that you might be depending on more than you are depending on God? Don't pretend it away. Don't hide it. Identify it. Root it out. Repent and turn back to God. Another way that we can fix our faith is to fix our focus. To step out of faith means to lose sight of the natural, our immediate surroundings, circumstances, and fix our eyes on God. I mean, we only have to ask Peter how it went the moment he stepped out of that boat, (laughs) the moment he lost sight of Jesus and focused on the waves instead. Fear, worry, and natural everyday things can tear our gaze away from the divine and pollute our faith. In fact, I want to show you a practical example. If you can um, humor me for just a moment. I'm sure many of you have some of these lying around the house, house right now. Some rolls of gift wrapping paper. And you are welcome to try this at home. This illustration. (laughs) Um, But I want to show you what happens when I try to move forward, when I try to progress, when my focus, my attention, my sight is cast downward to the natural, to the everyday worries and fears. Let's, Let's see how far I'd be able to go. Are you ready? Eyes cast downwards. Let's see. Okay, well, that wasn't far at all. Okay, let's try one more time. Okay, all right. One more time, but this time, I'm really going to believe in myself. No, no bueno. (laughs) I can barely put one foot in front of the other. But let's see what happens when I cast my eyes heaven-bound. When I lose sight of the natural, when I shift my gaze away from my problems and circumstances in everyday life, let's see if I'm at least able to put one foot in front of the other. Let's see. I'm able to walk. Hey! I'm able to put one foot in front of the other. And that is what walking by faith is all about. Losing sight of the natural. Losing sight of just focusing on my strengths and what I can do and what I'm capable of and the opinions of others and fixing my eyes on God. And you know, if I practice that over and over, I'd be able to walk further and further. I might even be able to run. The same is true with our faith. 
As I step out daily, as I walk in faith daily, I start to trust God with bigger and bigger things and my faith in Him grows stronger and stronger and consequently, my relationship with Him grows closer and closer. So what does that look like in real life? Well, instead of focusing on the economy, my limited funds and budget, I shift my focus to my soul provider. Instead of focusing on the diagnosis received from the doctor, I shift my eyes heaven-bound and gaze upon my true physician, Jehovah Jireh. Instead of focusing on the divorce that seems imminent, I shift my gaze and I look upon the one in whose name this covenant was made. What is it that you need a breakthrough in? What miracle do you need in your life? Because people have lost faith in God, because people have lost sight of God. It is time to shift our focus, fix our eyes on God and step out in faith. You know, one of my favorite verses, I have a rendition of it in my office is this. Hebrews 12 is one to two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge, huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Now, how do we do it? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, shifting our gaze. Jesus, the champion who not only initiates, but perfects our faith. We might be in this world, Surrounded by death and destruction, brokenness, sickness, poverty, wars, rumors of wars. But church, we are not of this world. Maybe someone needs reminding of that today. So don't get sidetracked and tripped up by the natural. Focus on the supernatural. Gaze upon the one that can because guys, he still does. He still does. When we unlock this level of faith, when we're in on the secret and we implement it on the level that our Bible heroes did, there's no saying what God can do. God responds to our faith. And Jesus says this to his disciples in a famous piece of scripture found in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 to 24. Jesus says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. Now, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he is telling the truth, okay? I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Man, that sounds like something out of a superhero comic book. But I don't think Jesus was using a parable or speaking in metaphors here. What he was doing is he was sharing the secret. He was sharing the secret. This church is what our faith in God is capable of. 100% unpolluted faith, the kind of faith that will build an ark. 
The kind of faith that will step into a fiery furnace rather than bowing to a false god. Are we still capable of that kind of faith? Or is God no longer a God of the impossible? You know, another thing I think God really wants us to hear when it comes to the state of our faith, and don't put the scripture up just yet, but to read verse 25 as well when it comes to that famous piece of passage. You know, when we, when we read that scripture, we always stop at verse 24. But guys, you won't believe what verse 25 says. And this topic at New Life Church, it's coming up again and again and again. For the last couple of months, we have been talking about this topic extensively on staff. Just Wednesday during staff chapel, it came up all by itself once again. When Pastor Andrew Bailey came to preach the other day, he actually planned to preach on something completely different, but God had him preach about this very topic. Do you want to take a guess what it is? Well, let's have a look. From verse 24, but this time let's include verse 25. Jesus says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe you've received it, it will be yours, verse 25. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Guys, this topic of forgiveness is coming up again and again. Forgiveness affects our faith. In order to fix our faith, we have to forgive. You know, in the preparation of this message, God took me to this verse specifically, and I was astonished to see the subject of forgiveness coming up once again. And I, I don't want to teach too much into forgiveness. I want to encourage you to have a look at our, our YouTube channel. If you missed Pastor Andrew Bailey's message on forgiveness, go and watch it. It is incredible. But I do want to highlight the importance that forgiveness plays in our faith. If we want to have a true, real, authentic life of faith, we have to forgive. It's like the secret within the secret. So are there any grudges you are still harboring in your heart? For the sake of your faith, you have to forgive. I pray today that if you are facing something difficult, that you will have the faith to believe in a God that can. The faith, the assurance, the knowing, and that which you cannot yet see. A faith not only that believes that my God can, but that my God will. And that this knowledge will seep deep within your soul where you can come to a place where you completely and totally believe in a God that says, through me, all things are possible. You know, like I mentioned briefly earlier, I have seen and heard of so many people who have turned their backs on God, who have turned away from the faith completely because of the severity of the pain and disappointment they carry within them. They have gone through so much trials and tribulations, no, so much heartache, that they don't even want to be in a relationship with God anymore. And so as we near the end of the series, that's all about our relationship with God. I will do you a disservice if I do not ask you this question. What do you do when you believe God can and you have faith that God will 
and he doesn't. What do you do then? When you have faith in God for a miracle and it doesn't come, what do you do? That is one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves. You know, I had a best friend from the age of 11 called Mareka. We met one day during break time and at school. And I remember she had a huge, like those huge boxes of Smarties. And she's like, hold your hands and throw Smarties. And she's throwing Smarties. And my hands are like overflowing with Smarties. I'm like, Mareka, what are you doing? And that day we just clicked and we became best friends all through primary school, all through high school, into our adult years. And I actually introduced her to her husband. And in the year 2020, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And for two years, she fought. She gave it everything she had. And we all prayed. We all had faith. I, I didn't believe for a moment that she was not going to survive this. Her career just kicked off. She just got married a couple of years ago. She was still planning on starting a family. She was my age. Surely God will bring her through this. But on the 5th of August this year, God didn't heal her the way we thought he would. And she passed away. What do you do when you know God can and you believe that God will? And he doesn't. Because it's one thing to believe in a God that can. It's another thing to believe in a God that God will. But I believe the deepest kind of faith is a faith that says, yes, my God can. Yes, my God will. But even if he doesn't, I will believe. I will have faith in a God whose ways are higher. I will believe in a God that is good. Because my faith in him is not just based on what God can do for me, but it is based on who he is. And because I know him intimately, my relationship with him reflects a faith strong enough to handle and know. Because I do believe that my God can. He is all powerful. And I do believe that my God will. He is a personal God that loves us. But even if he doesn't, I have faith. When Mareka passed, that was a very hard weekend. And I remember just having a very real and raw conversation with God, making sure that I still approach him with holy reverence and holy fear because that is the subject I'm very passionate about. I've spoken about it before. Ryan actually taught a bit about it last week. And so I know better than to go and wag my finger in God's face. But I was very real with God, no pretending. I, I broke down in his presence and I just said my heart is broken. And I don't understand. And I am grieving for Mareka's parents. She was like the apple of their eye that now has to bury Mareka. And I am grieving for her husband, who adored her, who still planned on starting a family with Mareka. And I am mourning for Mareka, who still had her whole life laid ahead of her. 
And in that moment, I, I didn't ask anything of God. I just brought it all to him. No pretending, all the mess, all the pain, all the hurt. Instead of pretending, instead of turning my back to God, I turned to him with all of it, with all of the ugliness, all of the tears. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you have endured so much heartbreak, so much disappointment that the enemy would not love anything more than for you to turn your back from God, blame him and have nothing to do with him again. Or play pretend. The devil doesn't care if you pretend. He doesn't mind that. Pretend that your heart is still with God when in fact it no longer is. But real faith is not just saying we believe in him. It is showing it, especially when it's hard, especially when you do not understand. And after I gave all of that to God, I had what I believe. I experienced what I believe. Let me, let me back up. When I gave all of that to God, I remember I was very dis disappointed, but I was also very exhausted, just depleted. And I think the magnitude of my, my grief was because I did not think that Mareika would not survive this, right? So I remember, oh, thank you, Lucy. I remember just laying down on the couch, totally exhausted, putting on Netflix. Hey, our good old friend Netflix, right? Just trying to numb out the emotions. And the next moment, I experienced what I believe to be my first ever vision. I think that's what it was. God showed me what Mareika looks like right now. He gave me a glimpse of Mareika in heaven. And she was so beautiful, so at peace, so serene. And her hair was just rolling down her back. These curls were just rolling down her back. I actually forgot Mareika had curly hair. She always used to straighten her hair. And afterwards, I realized the significance, the emphasis on her hair, because of course, due to the cancer, she lost her hair. But now it was her crown. Now it was her glory. I don't know what you are trusting God with or what hurt or disappointment you might be carrying with you today. Have faith in the one who is for you. The one who never changes and the one that loves you deeply. It is easy to pretend that you're good with God. Or it's easy to have faith when everything is going well. Just like in any relationship. Just like in a marriage. It's easy to love your spouse in the good times. But it's when the storms come that our relationship with God reflects a faith strong enough to withstand life's trials and tribulations. Your faith will get tested. That is a guarantee. There will be an attack on your faith. But I want to give you another guarantee. And that guarantee is that our God is not plastic. He is very real. And he wants a very real relationship with you. You have been let in on the secret. Please don't keep this a secret. God has given you everything you need to have faith in him. So lose sight of the natural. 
spend time in God's word, get to know him personally, intimately. And as the storms come waging, cling on, hold on with everything you have. I want to leave you today with a psalm that I pray that you will memorize, write it down. I pray that it will become your, your personal motto, your theme song when it comes to your walk with God. And it's Psalm 62, verse 5 to 8, and it's this. Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of just gathering today. God, just to be reminded of who you are and the relationship, the level of relationship you have called us into. God, we repent. We repent when we played pretend and just made, made up like everything is okay when in fact our hearts were so far away from you. God, forgive us. Holy Spirit, may you root out and identify anything in our life that might be holding us back, that we might have faith in instead. Lord, may we just, even through this holiday season where there's so many distractions, may we just step in, lean in, and draw close because we know the moment we draw close, you are faithful to draw close right back. So God, we just, we just thank you for today. Thank you, God, that no matter what, we can have faith in a God who is with us, a God who is good and a God who loves us. Thank you, Jesus, that you have made this relationship possible. And we give you all the glory and honor and we pray this today in your name. Amen.